Exactly. <laughs> All right, let's get this going. Uh, it's nine twenty-two. I would like to. I'm so. I'm still seeing shots. Welcome to Brose. Well, it is what it is. My name is Matt Cansnell, and joining me as they always do are my bros in Rose. On an audio feed reporting live from Belmar, New Jersey, it's Rich Sweeten. Hello. On an audio feed reporting live from Haddon Heights, New Jersey, it is Sean O'Brien. Hey, everybody. And on an audio feed reporting live from somewhere in the stratosphere, it's Tim Hansen. I can't breathe up here. You sure? You need to try harder. I mean... <laughs> Open those chakras, man. <laughs> what? I don't know. It's not like something you should be doing. It's it's not chi or ki or anything. The chakras aren't going to help me. Uh, but I mean, they certainly can't hurt, can it? Yeah, why not? What's going on, guys? How you doing? Also, I'm sunburned now. <laughs> <laughs> the ozone isn't protecting you anymore. Uh, everybody doing all right? Hey, hanging in there? Uh. It's, yeah, it's, I mean it's it's rough. It's ru- it's mm. a rough time, but you know. Yeah, man, we're hanging in. We're recording our second episode of the night again. This is Friday, uh, June fourth. It's now around. Oh yeah, it's still Thursday, isn't it? <laughs> um, what are days anyway? Um, it's Thursday. It's June fourth. It is nine twenty-five p.m. and uh, we're we're getting it on right now, guys. Everybody, uh, everybody, we're glad to have you. We're glad to have you. We're gonna, we're gonna try. We're gonna try have some fun. We're gonna try have a little bit of fun in a in a dark time while, while trying to maintain, uh, you know, a, a sober outlook on life while still listen. You, you come to the Brose podcast for nonsense, frivolity, uh, you know, and and occasionally a scintillating t- serious discussion. And we're gonna try and give that to you now. Yeah. Uh, you can email us questions to brosequestions at gmail.com if you want us to answer them on the air because the premise of the show is that we answer questions from you, the audience, about life, the universe, and everything. Um, now, you can listen to our podcast everywhere where fine podcasts are bought and sold, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, and TuneIn, among many others. And uh, if you want to send in questions, uh, send them in the way that uh, many of our great listeners like Molly Craig, Brian Everett, John Tursich, uh, my mom, my brother – Charlie Bram. Uh, many of our listeners have, have gotten uh, their questions answered on the show, and we'd love to answer yours for you. Um, if you have any feedback for us also about either uh, our last episode or, or what you'd like to hear from us going forward, we'd love to hear that from you too. But let's go into our wines. Uh, who wants to go and talk about their wine first? I will. I'll do it. Oh, never mind. <laughs> Too slow. Stutter home. White Zinfandel. As Sutter Home, we've been bringing people together since 1948. Raise a glass to friends and family with our delicious white Zinfandel. Yada, 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 yada delicate aromas. What do you mean? And Chris finish. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> um, we're going to get a hefty bill at the end of the month for how much we're phoning this in. <laughs> uh, so this is, uh, it's sweet, but not like, it doesn't taste like juice like my last wine, the white Merlot. And it's it's pleasantly dry. It is probably one of the best wines i've had in the last couple sessions so would recommend this white zinfandel is nice it's it's good especially it's gotten warm but it's it's pretty hot out i'm recording on my porch 
which is why you could hear birds in the last episode and might hear country music in this one. Um, but where's the country music coming from? My next door neighbor. Uh, okay. But um, but it, it is a good summer wine. I would recommend it for like at like a barbecue if you don't want to be drinking beer because sometimes that can be a little bit heavy. But like a nice refreshing glass of some whites in. All right. Nice. Uh, Rich, what are you drinking? I am drinking Parasol, and I am not going to abolish the French language by trying to read the rest of the uh, <laughs> label. Um, it's a twenty. Abolish the French language. Butcher? I don't think you have the power to abolish a national language. <laughs> Fucking. I meant. I meant French are banned. <laughs> yeah. Your language, you know, exists. I, I meant like demolish and destroy right. and butcher. Uh, it's a twenty nineteen okay. rosé. There are no tasting notes, but it does contain sulfates. As sulfates, most huh? wines do. Yeah, um, it's good. I like it. Okay, what are you drinking, Tim? Uh, I'm drinking Danger Wine, um, <laughs> Rosé Danjou or D apostrophe A N J O U. I'm sure I'm saying that horribly wrong. Everything else on this I can read in French. Uh, <laughs> it's a Barton Barton and Gustier wine. Uh, something Les Jardins de la Reine. He uses Groleur. Alright, maybe I can't read everything. Uh, and Gamay grapes, which are two types of grapes that I've never heard of. Uh, but it's delicious. It's 10.5 alcohol per volume. And to be frank, my bottle is empty and my last cup is half empty, so... Uh, it's good. I thoroughly enjoy it. It's got a nice sweetness to it without being overbearing. Mm. And it's not overly dry or there, there's not an extended mouthfeel on my palate. Or it's, it's, It feels like it's low on the tannin level. And um, <laughs> so I've forgotten everything we've learned about wine. So there good. isn't a rough mouthfeel. Correct. It doesn't feel like there's hornets in my mouth. <laughs> I am drinking the Path Rosé. And here's all I'm going to say about the Path. This appears, according to the label, this wine was made by a gentleman named Greg Kitchens. I can only assume that Greg is a close relative of former Browns head coach Freddie Kitchens. And much like Freddie Kitchens, this wine is going to be a one and done for me. <laughs> <laughs> Sports jokes. So, so, Sean, the moment of truth. You have the questions for this week's episode. Indeed I do, and they are at the ready. I can't wait for you to click on the email and Google like makes you log in again for security (laughs) or something. I forgot my password. (laughs) For security. Uh, All right, so what do we got going on for this round of questions, Sean? Well, the first question is a serious one. Legitimately. I sometimes I say that before a dumb question, but this isn't a legitimately serious question. Yeah. <laughs> um, what bird is best? Yeah. Uh, George Floyd's murder was captured on video. The widely shared video shows images of former Minneapolis, I'm sorry, Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin kneeling on Floyd's neck. How do you think the reaction to Floyd's death would be different if the incident hadn't been captured on video? The video itself can be hard to watch. Do you think it's important to show viewers violent footage like this? Why or why not? So it's a kind of a two-part question. How? What would the reaction be? Were this not? Were this to have not been caught on video? And 
do you think it's important to show videos like this? And then, yeah. And then elaborate on that answer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's important for it to be available because I mean, as our long history has shown, this has been a prevalent issue and almost every time it's just kind of like, uh, I mean, we're the cops. We're supposed to be the responsible ones. And we say that's not how it went. And literally everything else says it does, but it goes nowhere because it's like, what, what else do we have? So I think it's necessary to bring to the forefront and literally you can put this in somebody's hands. And at that point it becomes a choice that they make. Are you deciding to ignore this violence or are you going to take in, absorb what's actually happening and strive for legitimate justice? So I think it's necessary. I, I wouldn't plaster it everywhere, but I would make it readily available. Or maybe I would plaster it everywhere. I don't know, honestly. Um, but I, I, I think it's necessary because, if anything, this specific issue has been hidden and tucked away and buried under the rug. Buried under the rug. Swept under the rug. <laughs> I can't even speak. Swept under the rug. shovel right to the rug. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Fuck that rug. Um and it, 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 it is significantly harder, although apparently somehow possible for some people to run away from video evidence. Um, yeah, that's what I got. Yeah, if you want to contort yourself into, you know, mental into to mental shapes, you can absolutely say, well, you didn't see, you know, that video shows eight and a half minutes, but you didn't see the five minutes before as if it makes a freaking difference. Um, you know, it's, it's, listen, there's a, there's a website called mappingpoliceviolence.org and, and, uh, it said the mappingpoliceviolence.org said that there were about 10,099 people killed by police in 2019. And of them, uh, 24% of them were black. Um, you know, doing the rough math on that, we're looking at more than 250, um, black people who were killed by police in 2019. We did not see 250 videos, uh, of, of black people killed in 2019. Uh, this is not to say with 100% certainty that each one of those was the result of police brutality. But listen, we, you know, we, we, we all know that the history, we all know the, the, the stuff that we've seen over the last 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Uh, so yes, absolutely. I think that a big reason for the outcry is because of the fact that there's video evidence and there would not be as much if there wasn't, unfortunately. Um, I do think it, it, I always have questions about this, but I do think it's important that this video is available. I, I do think it is important that, that, uh, news agencies announce, hey, we're going to show this video. It might be disturbing. Uh, but part of the the uncomfortable part of this conversation is showing the reality of, of this brutality. And I think if you just say uh, cop kills person, you know, you might find different ways to justify it. It is nigh impossible to justify this police officer's actions based on the video and based on what we know. And so I, I, I do think the video evidence is quite important, even if the ideal scenario is we go to a world where somebody reports, you know, police kills unarmed person and we just believe, you know, hey, something's wrong here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, it, if we hadn't had the, the video evidence, uh, there would probably still be a movement, but I don't think the movement would be as strong as as it's been uh, as, of, as of now, Thursday at 9.35. Um, but... I like I don't know it's it's you I I agree you do need to share the video you need to see it 
and it 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 blows my mind that there's still those out there that argue the well if he was a law-abiding citizen bullshit like this dude was begging for air for eight minutes like mm-hmm. and 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 this is over 20 fucking dollars like i'm just counter for 20 dollar bill yeah like allegedly n- allegedly allegedly yes like i just i don't know i i i agree with you guys i agree with what you guys are saying so yeah. i think i i think the video is of if there were no video this there would be right now no protest no nothing because at the end of the day you would have the people saying you know well you didn't well you don't know he was if he hadn't broken the law it wouldn't happen like it's unfortunate but you know he wasn't and there wouldn't be a way to prove that there was a man on the ground begging for breath you know it's like the starkness of the video and the absolute visceral nature of it is really i think a lot of what's fueling the it's the call to action it's you see i have seen too many people die you know like mm-hmm. legitimately i've seen too many videos where i watch a police officer murder somebody in my life i should have seen zero and i've seen countless examples of it and these videos are the only real accountability that these police officers have right now. Um, I, th- I think it's important to show viewers with heavy content warnings because you need to be uncomfortable and see the reality of the situation where a man has a fucking knee in his back, in his neck for almost 10 minutes like it's it's wild and disgusting and so it's so like there really isn't an argument against it and the people who are arguing now like well if he had been following the rules or whatever or complying like you can't you can't that argument is is invalid to the point that those people are just grasping at straws and look dumb you know like it's you're they're making your job easier as a person who's who you know is is arguing that this kind of shit shouldn't happen because it's not, there's not a man. You don't see a guy fighting. You don't see a guy resisting arrest. You see a man on the ground and a guy kill him. That's what you see. And it's awful. I I think it is also an interesting contrast with these specific times uh, that those same people who are, who are using that argument, which I largely think is horseshit to start and have for an extended period of time. But it's like those are also the same people who are like, fuck you, you can't tell me I can. I have to stay in home for other people's health. Fuck you, I'm going to get a haircut. You can't arrest me. This is horse shit. I'm going to protest with guns in your corporate world. It's like people can argue with the differences, but it boils down to the same thing. So you're saying this man who is being assaulted for an alleged thing should have listened to, listen to the cop, you would have been fine. But that's the problem. He wasn't a resisting arrest. There's no evidence he was resisting arrest. He was complying. He was following. So even that argument falls apart because he was following what they were saying. And then mm. it happened anyway. Yeah. And there's that... multiple occurrences of that. Like that, that, that argument at its core was already bad 
Mm-hmm. And then the fact that there are so many things, it's like, cool. What about these 37 people who have complied with the wishes and ended up dead anyway? So cool. your argument is already wrong. And, and let's let's take a look at, uh, uh, we mentioned uh, the, the case of uh, Breonna Taylor uh, on last episode. Th- that happened on March 13th. And as far as I know, there's no video evidence of anything happening from there. And that was a name that I personally hadn't heard until after the uh, George Floyd uh, information started coming out. That's that like that shows that the video evidence is really pushing this movement forward. <clears throat> unfortunately, and I think honestly, if it wasn't for this George Floyd stuff, the results of that would have even been different because. For, for anyone who's not aware, no knock warrant served in the middle of the night for someone who had already been arrested earlier that day uh, and was completely unrelated to her. She was, quote, accidentally shot eight times to death. The total number of shots, I think, was like 20 plus fire shots into this house because her boyfriend, somebody broke down the door and it's like somebody's breaking into our house. I'm defending my home. But she, in bed, was the one shot eight times. So one, even if you have one man trying to defend home and fires a couple shots, that does not require the escalation of that many officers firing that many rounds into a home blindly. And I don't, th- I, I don't think even that case... And he got arrested for firing at those officers. He has been released, but if, this, if the, the George Floyd stuff hadn't been brought up, he'd probably still be in jail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He probably would have been charged, found guilty, and rotting in jail. On the whole, how do you guys feel about the way the media has, has covered this last couple of weeks, both the the actual incident at hand, the the, the charges, and then the, uh, the, the protests and everything? Mm. I think that they did a good job at the beginning of framing the death as a murder because that's what it was. You know what I mean? Like a lot of times they kind of pull punches with when, when a police officer kills a person as like being like, well, maybe it was justified, but because the evidence was kind of right in your face, they did a good job of framing it that way. Yeah. They're now, I think they're starting there. It's one of the unfortunate side effects of this, of the, the kind of instant gratification we need eyes on like eyes on the news is that they're focusing on the wrong things when it comes to the protests. Like they're really doubling down on rioting and looting. And really, I think they're missing what's going on. They're, I think just objectively they're, there are more peaceful protesters than there are rioters. And so, but the way that they're covering it, you wouldn't know that, which I think is what, why a lot of, you know, fights you have with people online, that's what that stems from. They're like, everyone's rioting. We're like, no, most of the time it's not, that's not the case. It's, Mm -hmm. there are some rioters, but there are also a bunch of white supremacists who are trying to start a civil war. Like there are people coming in legitimately to start fights and to break windows and to blame black people for, what's going on right now like it is gross and there are a bunch of things exactly and there are a bunch of you know and there's a bunch of police 
just escalating the situation needlessly. So mm-hmm. you, I, I think they did a good job at the beginning, but once something a little bit more titillating started to happen, they immediately lost the thread and have been yeah. covering it poorly now. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So I, I, it seems like the trend in most cities, you know, I, I can speak mostly to Philadelphia because that's the coverage I've been been following over the last week or so as far as the protests is it seems to start with a peaceful event in the middle of the day, usually, you know, sometime between 12 and three, there's a demonstration, there's there's uh, there's rallies, there's what you would call a peaceful protest for, for several hours. And then as the evening goes on, that's when the, the elements start to break down a little bit and you get some of those bad actors, whether they are or they are genuinely on the side of George Floyd or whether as we've seen, we're getting a lot of white people who are taking advantage of the situation coming in, you know, and, and, and instigating things. And they don't, they don't believe in, in the cause of, of racial, racial equality or just, you know, eliminating police violence. The, the media, I, the media coverage has been typically preying on fear. It, it, it keeps you in an engaged way because you are afraid. I can tell you last Saturday when a lot of the, the activity was going on in Philadelphia, when there was a lot of the looting, a lot of, you know, there, there's the, the building on Walnut Street that was on fire for, for hours and hours. And NBC had, you know, video coverage of like five different cities and they just kept fixated on Philadelphia and this goddamn building that was on fire. And all I could think, like my, my, my wife was working in the city at the time and all I was thinking was, oh my God, she's got to get out of there. Like, like it's, it's terrifying, even if that's only one part of the city. And Tim, you alluded to this in the first episode when you talk about the people who, you know, who are more concerned with property damage than, than human lives. There are absolutely a ton of people who are using this argument disingenuously and saying like, well, what about the businesses? And really they just want to deflect attention away from the, the core issues at hand. But I do think that there is a population of people that, that you can't, I, I don't think you can fault them for being afraid when they see video like this, because the media is very much focusing on a small sliver of the pie when, you know, you're focusing on the, the 5% of this, this, these, these demonstrations that are, that are, damaging and violent and scary when 95% of it has been peaceful marches. There was just one in Cherry Hill a couple of days ago, a very peaceful march. Uh, the police moderated it. They were, all they were doing was marching down route 38, you know, that, that got, as far as I can tell, no news coverage or anything like that. I I don't like to be the bash the media guy, but I do think that there is an element of sensationalism that is warping people's perception of what these, these protests and what these demonstrations Mm -hmm. have been. The fact that former deadliest city in the United States, Camden, New Jersey, had a peaceful protest. And I didn't really see a lot of that coverage because they're focusing on the riots. Like, it, it just, yeah, they are they are pandering to fear. And no. It is a matter of public interest if there are riots going on in your city, but it is also your responsibility as a member of the press to put them in the proper context. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I got a, a little bit off track with that question, but do you have any other thoughts on the video, on uh, the way this is being portrayed, or the way that, um, yeah, just the video or the way this is being portrayed in the media? Yeah, I, I agree. Like, uh, I believe it was Sean who said, like, they started off fine, or maybe it was you, Bet. I wasn't fully listening. <laughs> and I'm kidding on that. I was totally listening. Uh, I just Whoa. don't remember who said shit. it. What? Uh, 
<laughs> but I, I agree with who said, like, they started fine, they started good, and now it's kind of, like, the actual movement seems to have gone to the back burner and focusing on the riots. When it's, this stuff is, you need to show them, you need to have a one-to-one ratio of what you're showing with this situation. Yeah. To, to be clear, it was Sean that originally made that point, but I do think it's typically on brand for Brose to cap off a, a very intelligent and, and thought-provoking conversation with it. I don't remember who made this point, but it was great. <laughs> yeah. Con- Con- well, context is important, regardless. I also, mm-hmm. I, I also think that even if the media is covering the riots, I think they're covering it the wrong way because you have to... They're not... A lot of times, these the rioting and the looting are being covered as just purely bad things. And like, you can feel some type of way about that, but there isn't ever, they don't ever offer the context that like this, this, these things, rioting, looting, etc., are reactions to the inequities that, you know, the communities of color have felt for a very long time. And when peaceful protests are being met with, an, an incredible amount of violence by the police who are supposed to be protecting you. Like there is, there has to be this kind you have to acknowledge that there is a, what are you going to do? You know what I mean? What, like, where is there to go when the peaceful protest you're getting tear guessed for a photo op, you know, like what is it? Regardless of how you feel about it, you have to acknowledge that it's not unreasonable. You know what I mean? Like it's a Martin Luther King quote that's been passed around a lot this week. I think there have been several people in history who've said something along these lines. It was in a goddamn Enter Shikari song. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like seriously, it, it, the, the idea is that if you sh- if you keep people quiet, if you if you shut off their other avenues of letting their voice be heard, of engaging in public discourse, of putting the people that they believe are the best to be put in in power in office, eventually there's only one route left to go, um, and. I again, I think I think that the proper way to look at it is to say this is unfortunate that, you know, buildings, businesses, whatever are being destroyed, burned, looted, everything like that. But the core problem is that there's been racial inequality in in this country for pretty much since our inception. There's been police brutality against uh, minorities in this country for 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 centuries. And that's the root problem. And if we solve that or we make that better then these symptoms go away. It's, it's, it's conflating the symptoms and the cure, I think, is the ultimate issue. Mm-hmm. I, I think a, a great quote I've run into multiple times over the past uh, week is that riots are the voice of, this, of the unheard. You don't start with riots. Riots is the last straw. Like, that's where it ends up. And honestly, everyone who's like, well, you should peacefully protest. It's like, eh. Peaceful protests get you to a point, and depending on what it is in favor of, peaceful protests fall on deaf ears and no one cares, or they'll pay lip service and they do nothing, as has been proven on this specific topic pretty much forever. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, and you... There's a lot of big changes that have happened for marginalized groups in American history that Nothing happened until a riot. You can look at Stonewall. You can look at this. And everyone who's quoting Martin Luther King, like, cherry picks the peaceful stuff. And it's like, yeah, well, one, you still ended up killing them. 
And two, look at the rest of what Martin Luther King said. He's like, here's an issue with capitalism. Here's this, here's this, here's this. And they're like, no, we hate that part, but we like the peaceful thing because we can ignore you when you're peaceful. Everybody remembers Martin Luther King, but there's no, there's not a Malcolm X Day in this country. There's a reason there's a Martin Luther King Day and not a Malcolm X Day. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, anyway, just to drop that one there at the end. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> anywho, um, uh, Sean, what do you say? You want to move on to the next question? I do want to move on to the next question. Doesn't get any lighter. How should white parents talk to white kids about policy uh, about police brutality towards black people? Honestly, hmm. what do you think, Tim? I mean, I mean, my 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 take on it is honestly, I, I oh, well, honestly, okay. on on most topics, my typical approach to an argument or a disagreement is how can I see this from the other side? And this is one of those few things where I legitimately can't. Like I, I, you, you can argue politics, Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, all of those things, and I can see a, per, I can see a perspective. I may not agree with it, but I can see it. This is one of those few things where it's like, the, I, there is no other perspective. You are killing people based on the color of their skin, and hiding it behind your badge and your justice quote. So the honesty is, hey, people in power are not always right. And if you see something wrong, like if something is wrong, it is wrong regardless of who does it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sean, Sean I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but, um, but, but have you had this discussion? Have you and Mary, your, your wife, had discuss- this discussion with Jake or, or did, uh, um, give, give us your perspective on this? I think it's impo- like Tim said, you, you just have to be honest and – it is difficult, I think, because children are so selfish. I don't mean to like, I, I don't mean to downplay the kid's self awareness, but they you just are when you're a kid. You're selfish. You think about yourself before anyone else. So it's it can be difficult to be like, okay, here is something that's literally never going to affect you when you know as a white person, and but it's also something you should be worried about, you know, or something you should really think about and try to. Uh, and try to fix but i think you just have to be honest you have to present everything that's going on like we've been very upfront with jake about everything that's been going on how we feel about it like we're not gonna i think we're we're not really like shit talking our relatives you know but we're when someone says something that we find abhorrent we will tell him about the thing and maybe not who said it and just explain why that's a bad take. So it's just, you just, you have to be honest. And, and I honestly think you you have to start young because kids, like, I think kids want to like other people. Kids, they want to have kind of that, you know, that fuzzy feeling and everyone is, everyone deserves to be happy. And They're not born with hate. They learn. Yeah, hate. exactly. And you have to just really hammer home that, like, even though, like, Jake, even though he would never discriminate against someone because of their race, people do. And he has to be aware of that. And so, like, when his friends make jokes that are shitty, like, he has, you have to be like, listen, it's hard and it's difficult, but sometimes you have to call them out on that kind of stuff, you know, like 
not it's not benevolent racism, but you know the kind of stuff that, if we're being honest, this kind of stuff that we used to say when we were kids, right? You know, like we like we would make racist jokes, not because we were racist, but just because like that was it was subversive at the time, and you just have to explain to to the kids that you know that's uh like that's not okay and here's why like here's the context behind all of that stuff maybe we don't do that but when it comes to police brutality you just got to be honest i think that's a really important and valid point though is owning where we came from you're absolutely right some of the jokes that can be made we probably did make as kids and i think that's a generational divide of like we can own that it's like yes we did that we acknowledge that that was garbage behavior and we are going to move forward from that and learn from that and change. We have changed. And at some point there's a generational divide where it's like, no, that's that's how we grew up. You can't make me change because that's how it's always been. And that's ridiculous and childish. Mm -hmm. That's the best part is they're like, respect your elders. It's like, but you're being a, you're acting like a child. Stop it. Yeah, well, I, th- I think a lot of our families still look at us as 30-year-olds, as children. Oh, and absolutely. it's like, like, I'm a full adult, like, I'm sorry, Karen, like, you might be 55, but I'm 31. Like, I'm a full adult, and you're being a goddamn racist. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't, it's, it is very frustrating. But specifically about police brutality, it's it's difficult because it's such an uh, such a again it's such a visceral thing it's and and also something that you hope your kids are never going to have to experience but i mean right now it's um some of our friends who live in philly are going to the protest and getting tear gassed and getting flashbangs thrown at them they're getting uh some of them uh went to the the courthouse to help people if they needed to get a ride home. They had some water and stuff and they had, you had some like white supremacists walking around trying to dox them, like taking pictures so they could find them later. And like, you have to be honest about like, this is the cost of standing for what's right. You know, you're going to get put into a situation that isn't super safe. So, but it's worth it in the end, you know, you have to really stand up for what's right. So it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's very hard. You don't want to expose your kid. You don't want to scare your kids, but at the same time, you have to be honest and let them know how difficult it's going to be moving forward. Like they're going to have, they're still, regardless of how much change we make in the next how decade or so, they're still going to have further to go. And it's going to be hard for that amount of time. You know, it sucks. It's hard. Yeah. I think, I think, <sighs> The way I would convey it is is very similar to what what Tim and Sean have been saying, which is be, just be just be honest. And listen, they're kids. You know, if if you talk about it with them for a little bit, have a very difficult conversation with them, and then say, "Hey, we're we're gonna talk about this more tomorrow" or something like that. Maybe that's like the the actual like literal way that you handle it with them. But I don't think you know they're going to learn about this in schools. They're going to have experiences with different kinds of people. You know, the the worst thing you can do is sugarcoat it for them. Um, so, you know, there's, you know, it's the way you kind of have every tough conversation. You say, Hey, listen, this is going to be a a challenging thing to go over with you. You're, you're, it's going to make you sad because it's kind of a sad 
thing to discuss with a child or, or with an adult. Jesus, we're all sad now talking about it. Yeah. But, but you know, to have a, that discussion with, you know, a, a six, seven, eight, 10, 12 year old, you know, that's, it's a lot for them to take in that, uh, that a world that seems filled with possibility has, is also filled with a lot of, of, you know, terrible bigotry and, and just, you know, retrograde thinking. And it's sort of just, you know, Hey, this is the way life is. We're going to, I'm going to try and make it better as your parent for however long I'm on this planet and you're going to do it as well. You know, I, I, I am not the best person to ask about this. I don't have kids, uh, but, but I, I think I would approach it very similar to the way that Sean and, and Tim have, have laid out. What about you, Rich? Yeah, it, it, it's, it's honesty. It's, it's obvious. Like, yeah, honesty is the best policy. And when it comes to kids, um, they, they do have a shorter attention span to the point where you might have to like start the conversation. Like, look, there's this big picture thing. I want to talk to you about it over the next couple of days to keep them informed. Um, also, uh, this upcoming Saturday, which is the, um, sixth. So at the time that you're hearing this, it's already aired. Uh, CNN is doing a town hall with Sesame street over That's what's good. going on right now. Yeah, I'm stoked. We're going to probably watch that. Yeah, I'm very so interested to see how they do this because I, I know one of the other things that you get with kids, at least when I was growing up, was you always had like, you know, Officer Pete or whatever it was show up at your school. And it was sort of to be like, look, the officer's friendly. You know, you can yeah. approach the officer if you're in trouble, which is simply, you know, as, as you learn later in life, simply not the case depending on who you are and where you're from. Um, but, yeah. but there, there is that perception. I'm sure that they've had episodes of Sesame street where they have like the friendly police officer and things. Well, that, that. was so uh, be a little bit different. There was that guy on Mr. Rogers neighborhood. It was officer Jenkins. Was it? I forget there was, but there yeah. was like a recurring police character. Yeah. That was very nice. But, uh, but uh, like, wait, wait, the recurrent police officer. I might be thinking of a different thing. Recurring uh, character. Maybe I thought there was like yeah. a recurring regardless, but there are, I think, I don't know. They tend to portray it's, police officers yeah, as, as righteous, yeah, as a righteous uh, profession. And look, genuinely, I think that there's a possibility that we get to the point in society where we no longer look at police officers this way. Right now, we, you kind of look at everything with with eyebrows raised and with skepticism and with with anger to, based on the profession. But there, I've seen. You know, people propose like, hey, listen, if we if we demilitarize the police force, if we do X, Y and Z, you know, there's a way that we can get to a point in society after some time and some healing and everything like that, where we don't have that perception of the police. But right now, I, I think it's impossible for you to, to go to every single child in America and say, yeah, the you know, Officer Jim, the police officer, it's safe to go to him. You can tell him whatever, you know, yeah. just as a blanket statement. Yeah, yeah. Um, a- any other thoughts on how to discuss this with your kids? Just, just do it. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, don't, unfortunately, don't, don't hold it off. Don't push it off. This yeah. is something you have to do. And don't try to shield them from this because it's, that's what, that's what they did for us. Mm-hmm. When we were growing you- up, we didn't learn about like, Everything we we learned this whitewashed America's great version of history, and I think it's important to be able to say look at something and and look at at the good it's done because it is there are America has done great things, but it to just ignore the bad stuff that it's done is to 
like I, I think the bad stuff that America's done makes the good stuff better, you know? And why would you want to just live in this complacent state where we're allowing bad shit to happen just because sometimes good stuff happens? It's ridiculous. But yeah, so you- yeah, the, the American exceptionalism thing where it's like everything we do is great. We never lost a war. We we treat everybody fairly. Everything, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Everybody can pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Like it, 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 the acknowledging the terrible, terrible things that we've done, like the closest we've gotten is like, I think the two biggest things that we acknowledge as far as America's failures are like the civil, the fact that we had slaves and Vietnam that we lost it like that. Those are like they seem to be the two big black eyes that we seem to have in over the course of history. Yeah. You know, Obviously, you can dig down to the nitty gritty and, and, you know, people will obviously say that there are other things. But those seem to be the two biggest black marks on society when really we've done a lot of terrible stuff as a country in addition to all, all of the good things. So. Mm-hmm. Don't, yeah, don't, like, don't don't whitewash it. Don't, wait. Bad bad terminology. Don't gloss over it. No, it, that's what it yeah. is. It's it's a bunch of white people being well, like, true, yeah. <laughs> Where <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're you're. It is. It's maybe it's one of Franks and Karens taking American history with a big old paintbrush and just being like, yeah. slop, slop. We've never lost a war, slop. To to yeah, that yeah. American sensationalism or we're the best, whatever. We called it because I wasn't li- actually listening. I guess uh, <laughs> that, that that clip from the newsroom where they're doing an interview and somebody's like, "Why is America yeah. the greatest country?" And it's just like, "Here's insert cookie cutter answer. Here insert cookie cutter answer." And then yeah. we're not. What? And oh yeah, that, 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 that is, character. It is perfect. Like I mean, it yeah. it it does. Re- at the end, it's like. We're not the greatest country in the world. We damn sure used to be. It's like that, that, even that part still kind of glosses over so much of what has been terrible in this country that we've just chosen to ignore. But the rest of it is still on point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sean, what do you say we move on to the next question? Let us move on <laughs> to another serious question. All right. But after this, yeah. I think we uh, we get some levity. So or at least at least we're going to stop talking for a little bit about racism in America, oh, even boy. though more about we birds. Sh- we should be. Yeah, it's all about birds. Yes. What are you doing about your racist family members? Do you have a responsibility to call them out? And OK, so we talked about this before, uh, before we started recording, I think where I was talking about how I talked, I was having one of the, I've been having a lot of, it's been a bad week. And one of the reasons was I've been confronting a lot of my family members about their, if not overt racism, their, uh, their refusal to see, to accept why the protests are happening. Right. It's just like, well, all cops aren't bad. That kind of nonsense. And so, you know, you get called a disgrace. Somebody calls out your wife, whatever. Um, The normal day to day. Yeah, I think it is very important that you call out your racist family members when they are racist, especially at times like this. You know, I think I give my family members too much runway on like a regular day. You know, just like regular day, some idiot conservative uncle of mine will post something like, uh, you know, uh, when did, you know, something about 
Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez being an immigrant or something like some some dumb shit, like something that's not even true mm-hmm. and just racist. You know, um, I will give them a pass because they're my family. And it's like, well, it's not worth fighting them right now because they're not they're not going to change their mind. They're just going to be racist. They're old. They're going to be racist forever. But I think now. You know, I think now you have to. We're at a point in history where silence is complacency, right? So, like, if you see your family members being racist and you don't say anything because they're your family members, you're complicit in the shit that they're saying. And I think you have to go into those kind of confrontations knowing you're not going to change your mind, but hoping. And I think we talked about this a long time ago where I think the best you can hope for is that a third party reads the interaction that you've had and gets something from it and maybe thinks a little bit differently because like I had a legitimate full day argument with one of my cousins about what was going on and why, you know, the protests are okay. Um, and why cops are bad. Uh, but like I had a full day argument and I, I said multiple times in that argument, like, I know I'm not going to change your mind. Your dad's a cop. You support law enforcement or whatever. Like, I know I'm not going to change your mind. My only hope in this is to give you information that I know is true. Be on the right side of this. And then also hope that maybe someone else reads this and like, and get something from it. Even if they, even if they shift their opinion a little bit and they're like, okay, maybe I understand why sometimes people might riot, you know, like, mm-hmm. or like why maybe focusing on the rioting is focusing on the wrong thing when people are dying because of the police. Um, but I think it's your responsibility right now. It's very hard. It's your responsibility to uh, confront your family. Yeah, uh, it's 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 definitely look, it's somebody in theory, if it's somebody in your family, it's somebody that you've associated with for a long time, it's somebody that you that you love or have some level of affection for and it's hard to potentially risk severing that relationship. Um and and I'll be honest. So I uh, we talked about it a little bit before the show. I deleted Facebook and Twitter off of my phone. I still look at it on, you know, when I'm on my laptop or something like that, but I I have not been privy to if my if if I have family members that have been going off in in crazed racist directions as you know in the last couple of weeks, um you know I I have not been privy to them. I I don't think that has happened from what I've seen, but I have not been privy to them if they have happened. As far as addressing it, I think I I like where you're where you're going with it, Sean. As far as like, hey, you're not going to be able to convince this person, but you may be able to. Uh, you know, if you're doing it in the public like this, you're doing it on social media, you might have somebody who observes it. And even if they're just like a lurker, they don't visibly say, hey, great point. You might change somebody's mind um, as a result. Um, I think what's going to likely happen is that you're going to see a lot of people keep their mouth shut about this for the next couple of weeks because this is a sensitive topic. And then in a couple of weeks, somebody's going to let an innocuous thing slip. And you got to bring that up at that point, because I think the biggest problem that people have with this discussion, especially people of uh, the generation before ours or two generations before ours, uh, is 
when you say, hey, what you're saying is racially insensitive or is racist, they immediately go to like the worst case scenario. You call somebody, you say, hey, the thing that you said is a little bit insensitive racially. They imagine you're, you're, you may as well be telling them you're a member of the KKK, which is not true because I think that there are, their racism exists on a spectrum. A racist joke is still racist. Um, and you should still correct that. And that should still be something that gets addressed. Um, and what you're not saying to somebody is you are irredeemably, uh, you are irredeemable as a person because you said this thing. But that's what people hear. They hear you are an irredeemable person because you are a racist. What you, the, the way that it's, it's tough. I don't know the best way because it's not a one size fits all. We discussed this when we discussed COVID-19. It really depends on you know, your relationship with the person. But as far as addressing it, I think if it's the kind of person who is combative, you know, your best bet is to do something like with Sean and just say, here are the facts. Hopefully you change somebody else's mind. What I have found is that if I need to address something like that with a member of my family, I typically do it offline, either through text message or when I see them in person or something like that. I I am not the, you know, call somebody out in the public sphere kind of guy, but I, I the, the people that do do that, you know, I think there's a benefit to that as well. It's just entirely dependent on the person that you're addressing it with. Yeah, I, I have, I have one family member who I think would actually openly say things, um, that I, I, I can't support, and 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 would say racial things. I have, I would have a tough time calling them out because, like, they're. I would be looked at as the kind I might potentially be looked at as the bad guy based on just this family member and her mental state over the past uh, couple of years. So like I've actually recently blocked her or muted her to the point where I don't see what she's saying. And I would call her out right now if, if no matter if I'm looked at as a bad guy or not, if I saw her saying stuff. You just, you have to. Hmm. How about you, Tim? Uh, yeah, I totally agree. If you see it, call it out. <laughs> it, it, I, it's funny how many things I boil down to, like that stupid public transit thing of, uh, if you see something, say something. <laughs> uh, but it's absolutely true. Um, I, I love the fact that Sean pointed on the fact that, yes, a lot of these people, you will never change their mind and that is super unfortunate and that sucks and that's part of the problem Mm -hmm. um but it doesn't mean you should just let them be because then it's absolutely complacency you and you become complicit in whatever they are spreading because you you are not calling them out um i am more likely to do that offline for the most part the stuff that i will do Largely because I don't see much of it online. I'll I'll back that up with that. Um, Most of what I see online is the vaguest of vague things or support or anti or this. And it's like, okay, cool. So here's why your argument is garbage. Here's why the post you linked is literally made up and is a fake news organization. Um, There's a specific family member I have in mind to that effort. And but she's like, well, I share everything. It's like, 
that doesn't fucking matter. It's like, well, I shared this side, now I'm sharing the other side. It's like, well, that's fine, but the other side that, quote, you've shared is literally a made-up article that has been debunked literally every year for the past four years since this particular article started. Literally, they just re-release it with different names every fucking year. Well, listen, listen, Tim, she's just asking the questions. Yeah, yeah, no, fuck off. Gotta hear both and sides. And, and, <laughs> yeah. So, it's, and, and there's just so much stuff that it's like, hey, listen, I'm gonna call you out on this. And it's like, hey, cool, this is cool. Or, like, and she'll put stuff that's, like, kind of right out. I'll still call that out. And it's like, hey, yeah, this is kind of right, but ultimately doesn't matter. Here's why. Here's more information. And, that, and it's the same thing as Sean. Try to spread legitimate information. Try to demystify or debunk literal, literal fake news, not quote fake news, um, and go from there. But mm-hmm. I, I like to, I, I like to. I don't want to say think. I'm happy to find that most of the people that I've regularly interact with and surround myself with are open to a conversation, and can admit largely when they're wrong when it comes to the specific topic of racism there are some people at work that i don't luckily have to interact with that i've literally told you're a racist piece of shit and we haven't talked since that's fine that i'm okay with that but at least i told them that and people heard me tell them that that's fine Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's um, going to be this this sort of event this sort of major event especially i think is going to change I think for a lot of people, it's either going to change their opinion and and make them reconsider some of the positions they had about like, you know, the all lives matter or what have you, or it's going to get them to at least stay quiet about it. Like at least if they have shitty opinions, I think that that stuff like this is going to make them keep it to themselves, which is not ideal. Ideally, they change their opinions, they reconsider, they become advocates for the cause. But listen, if the, if the absolute worst case scenario is some of these people, you know, just decide to keep to themselves from now on when they've got shitty racial opinions. Fine. I mean, at least they're not perpetuating that, that sort of thought process any longer. Yeah. And not to say that I haven't said stupid shit myself. I think that that's something that has mm-hmm. helped me on my perception is like, yeah. And we talked about shitty jokes earlier when we were younger, younger wasn't that long ago for some of us. Um, <laughs> hey man. And, and and I was called out on it. And it's like, yeah, listen, I understand why I thought it was funny. That doesn't make it less sh- of a shitty joke. So yeah. I got it and I own that. Mm-hmm. And so you can it, use it, that. It, and I've, I've absolutely had that as well. And, and that if that's a piece that you use when you discuss this with your relatives, like, hey, listen, I thought this way too. Or I've made you know these kind of jokes or made these mistakes or had these thoughts too. You know, but but I changed, and I love you, and I I want you to reconsider it because of that. You know, there, there's a way to approach it if you are trying to convince the other person. If if you you know, listen, if this person's gonna be combative and not, you know, you end up having to, you know, reduce or sever a relationship. Unfortunately, that's not that's a really hard thing. That's the hardest part is that your fear is you you sever a relationship with that family member, and you know. That's an uncomfortable conversation. I really don't have a good answer for you for that, aside from, you know, it, that's sort of, it, that's sort of where it goes. 
I mean, but, but to Sean's point, maybe you turn that into an opportunity to change other people's minds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's exactly. it, it, it is very difficult. I wouldn't fault someone tr- truly. I wouldn't fault someone for not engaging in their racist relatives. You know what I mean? Like to keep the status quo. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that blanket. It's always the right thing to do for you. I think it's always the right thing to do, but it might not be the right thing to do for you to engage someone like that. But I mean, I don't know. You have to, you, you just have to do what makes you feel morally satisfied. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. just whatever you think at the end of the day, can you live with yourself if you let it go? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, This is a heavy one. Any, any other thoughts or, or uh, sh- shall we move on to see what else uh, this round has in store for us? <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. I think we can move on. Yeah. This Chimera 3.0. Yeah. This has been a, a heavy round, but I mean, it's a heavy time. So what are you going to do? Do you guys see that there's an unofficial Super Mario 64 port for the PC? Boy. <laughs> biggest news of the week. Let me tell you. <laughs> it's awesome. It looks beautiful. Anyway, uh, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> Bring check right. that in there. What do we that got? That wasn't next? Sonic news. Don't worry, that's coming next. From from Brian Everett. Hot quarantine take. Bros, I'm fed up with the recurring meme that roasts people for wearing their COVID nineteen masks in their car while driving. There are many forms of this meme which I could share, but some have become quite vulgar and I wouldn't dare scorn the eyes of Mary for I respect her and her entire family too much. <laughs> wow. But like, but like, come on. On the one hand, we got to wear these masks. It's the right thing to do. And on the same hand, we're also supposed to not touch our faces too much or else we risk infecting ourselves. Right. So after shopping for groceries for mom and pop, I'm going to leave that ish on my face and disinfect everything. Once I get home and like, and like, bro, why, why are you looking at me in my car with my mask still on my face while your eyes are supposed to be on the road? Of all the things to encourage the internet to roast people about these days, it's wearing a mask whilst in the car alone? Really? Boo. Creative points. Minus 10. Listen. Wow. The people we really need to roast right now are the 3D printing elites who think that their splash zone head shields are doing Whoa. anything to protect the wearer or those around them at all from the airborne virus. The folks who only wear a piece of plastic three inches in front of their face, you know, complete the completely clear shield in front of their face, their in front of the face type drawings with absolutely zero compressed surfaces that ward off the entrance of the outside viruses. You got to be kidding me, my guy. Jeez, these these are the folks. Off the top rope. <laughs> these are the folks that the power of the internet should be roasting. Not only look dumb 100% of the time, but they're also recklessly irresponsible 100% of the time. I'm sorry if I've been a bit too persnickety with this, but dumb. Uh, there is another cool tiny word for you too, persnickety. It's a synonym for bitchy. <laughs> uh, so Yikes. that's been an episode of Brian's Bodega. <laughs> yeah. Brian's Bodega. This has been my favorite write-in from Brian. Yeah. <laughs> this is the best. I love it's so, it. I, it's I don't aggressive. think we can do the hot take segment anymore. I think Brian just ended it. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? It's 3D a, it's printing a... elite. It is. <laughs> Did I hear that correctly? <laughs> you did. The 3D printing elites who think their splash zone head shields are doing anything. <laughs> their nose is in the air and their plastic mask covering that nose. 
it's that is that is a very good take and i do think about that a lot like i have seen that where people are i don't think about it a lot but i think there are there are i have seen a lot of like memes where it's like why why are you wearing your mask in your car it's like bro you don't know what the fuck they're going through like i know if i were jenna and like mm-hmm. coming home like you might just have forgotten or like if you're wearing it all day you're like i'll just mm-hmm. take it all off put it all in the like into the like into the wash when i get home or right. you could just be going between two stores like if you go to the grocery store and then like i don't know like a bookstore or something you're gonna get out in like five minutes why take it off it's just an extra step for you yeah but there really is there's no reason i don't know i when I see people with masks on in their car, I just assume there's a reason for it. And even if there isn't, who gives a shit? Like <laughs> your life. Yeah, exactly. Like it's just so initially I would I would take off the mask, my mask in the car because it was uncomfortable. But then Mary made me one of those headbands with the buttons and mm-hmm. like and it's comfortable now and it doesn't fog up my glasses as much. So it's not an inconvenience. I'm just like, I'll just take it off when I get home because it's more inconvenient to like get it to the right position. Than to take it off, like to have it on. I don't know. I this is get out of here, everyone who isn't Brian Everett. (laughs) Yeah, like don't 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 judge other people over in car wearing of a mask. Like just let them live their life and you live yours. At least they're wearing a mask. Like Mm -hmm. I I know, like when I go food shopping, I don't put the mask on until I get there. But I put it on as soon as I'm getting out of the car. If I end up having to go to multiple places on my trip out, once I put that mask on, it is staying on until I get home and can wash my hands. Because that's just I'm I'm making sure I don't touch my face or any or anywhere that could potentially lead to me getting this virus. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like so, you may see me driving with the mask on. It's it's my way of thinking that I'm more safe. Just as these people are wearing their mask, thinking they're more safe. Yeah, look, it's, it's this is a whatever makes you feel more comfortable, whatever makes you remember, uh, you know, hey, if you have the mask on, maybe you're a little more cognizant of not touching your face. You're being a little more more hygienic or a little more you know, aware of your surroundings. Listen, that's fine. Do it. Do what you want. Uh, if if that is what it does for you, then do that. Uh, and, and wear the masks in public, do all that. If you've got a public health reason for wearing it in the car, do that. Uh, for me, uh, if you do not need to wear it, if you, if it is not something that is essential for me, taking off your, your mask, when you get in the car for me is like the equivalent of when you would like just take off, take off your pants and shirt when you get home from work. It's just like, yes, I'm off with it. It's done. It's, it's, it's off for me. Uh, now, obviously, that pleasure is also gone because I can go to work without pants right now. But, um, <laughs> but like, l- listen, if it, if it, I am not judging people because if it, if it, if it genuinely makes you feel more comfortable and it genuinely, you know, is is something that you need to do, man, go for it. Like, I, I don't particularly care. For me, it is not for me. Uh, you know, as of now, I, I don't feel any safer or any more hygienic when I'm wearing the mask in the car, but I will wear, I'll put it on as soon as I exit the car. I'll, I'll wear it the entire time when I'm at the grocery store, which is the only place I've been besides my house. Oh my mm-hmm. God. Uh, but, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, listen, man, whatever, this is a very genuine you do you kind of moment. Uh, it, whatever, whatever is best for your scenario. 
What about you, Tim? Yeah, I mean, you guys have already hit every point that I would. What somebody else is doing in their car, as long as it doesn't put my life in danger, I don't give a mm. fuck. You rocking out to your favorite jam? Own that shit. Hit that solo. Uh, you're wearing your mask? That's fine. You're not wearing a mask? Whatever. Your breath is clearly not hitting me in my enclosed car with my air conditioning on. I don't give a fuck. Mm. Uh, yeah, this is, this but, is not one where I'm looking at it like, oh, we got This is a breakdown of society, or this is the wussification of society because we're wearing masks in the car. Nah, man, this is this isn't that fight. But my favorite part is the people who I've in person met complaining about any of these things are also the same people who are wearing their mask underneath their nose or will pull it onto their chin to re uh, to like talk or will physically with no glove on their hand pull their mask away from their face like straight out and then talk to you and then let go and then scratch their eye and then do the same thing to continue the conversation or like yep. any of these things which are just like what the fuck are you doing does it does it really muffle you that much no you know you know what i mean like what are you yeah. doing just leave the mask on just talk to me through what are you what are you doing one of one of the women you phil <laughs> One of the women at the, uh, uh, was talking about, like, I can smell my own breath, and, like, it smells terrible. And me and her supervisor just both started laughing. And she's like, what? And she's like, brush your like teeth! Like, we don't know what to tell you! <laughs> we don't have this problem. Our breath yeah, doesn't And halitosis well. doesn't really exist, so you just get that checked out. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's, it's, it's stupid. People are just mm. looking for shit to complain about, and, like, find a reason why other people like liberal cucks or snowflakes that that one i heard this week that was great uh i'm just like dude Wait, somebody called somebody white... else a, a a liberal snowflake because they wore a mask we're... in the car yeah and uh, the, while they were wearing the mask on their chin um <laughs> and it's just mm-hmm. like dude you clearly are just complaining about wearing masks period because you're uncomfortable when I'm sorry that the health and safety of others <laughs> is uncomfortable for you. <laughs> Who's the yeah. snowflake, really? Oh, wait, oh, yeah, this is not. If you want to make that point that, like, oh, we're snowflakes, or we gotta, you know, it, it, back in our day, we just rub some dirt in the coronavirus and we'd solve it. Like, it, it, listen, if you want to make some elements of of where this generation isn't tough or what have you, this is not the place to plant your flag. The the once-in-a-lifetime pandemic is not the place to plant your flag on that argument. Nope. So, uh, I guess to sum everything... Wait, did Richie talk about this one? Yeah, he did. Maybe. <laughs> My point is, Brian, on point, this was a great question slash hot take. I love it. He kept going. He just kept going and going. Like He just had <laughs> more ammunition for the take <laughs> as it went on. Like, it was so good. It's a great take. A great A-plus take. Well, well-constructed uh is gonna piss a lot of people off the 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 art of the take podcast uh the the, according to the rules of the art of the take podcast your goal is to split the audience 50 50 with your hot take and i think that brian successfully did it (laughs) and that everybody not this audience but the audience in general that everybody was an episode of brian's bodega (laughs) (laughs) not everybody gets to have spanish flea as their theme please um what's next Joe? so the next question is what mythical creature would improve the world most if it existed also donate to the philly bail fund here www.phillybailfund.org 
And every major city, a lot of the major cities that had uh, protests and uh, demonstrations last week uh, have a, a separate bail fund. Obviously, we're local in the Philadelphia area, but if you're not, uh, a lot of the cities that had demonstrations yeah. last weekend have this uh, have, have uh, links to this as well. So you just yeah, and bail fund in your and city. quickly, not to dissuade you from uh, donating to the Minnesota bail fund, but they had such an influx of donations that they have more money than they need. So I would I would recommend donating to a more local one like mm-hmm. Philly or somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Also, these the the funds are the funds, if you don't know, are used to uh, help people who cannot afford bail mm-hmm. to get out of jail because uh, these funds, the basic the basic premise of them is that your economic station should not disallow you from posting bail and getting out of prison so yeah ca- cash bail is is a preposterous scam and, and indeed it, yeah it actively hurts uh the the um, so donate to bail fund. yep um as far as uh the best mythical creature um the first thing i'm thinking of because i'm looking around my office and it's gotten a little bit uh got a little bit uh scrangly in here i'm going with the brooms and the mops from fantasia uh that can, that can do a number on my kitchen <laughs> Nice, nice, nice. Any other thoughts? <laughs> I want to go with a unicorn because I just picture myself riding a unicorn <laughs> through a police barricade and impaling a shitty officer. Okay, okay. So <laughs> oh there, there, there is a line before we start advocating <laughs> for, <laughs> for ramming cops with a unicorn. <laughs> all right, all right, shit on cops a lot right. this episode. Police maybe, maybe okay. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody who's beating an innocent bystander for no fucking reason and paling them on a uh, on a unicorn spike. Yeah, That's you can. How about you can you can impale one of the yeah. white supremacists who was patrolling Fishtown with baseball bats? Holy fuck! Yeah, or the, dude, yeah, the, or the yeah, dudes yeah. that were like posted I'm, up maybe. on a GameStop with with rifles, like and those people. Ram them with a unicorn. You gotta protect your video yeah. games, guys. Bioshock is my political statement. Yeah, non-lethal. <laughs> yeah, non-lethally though, like yeah, just yeah. take out their kneecaps or whatever. Um, disable, disable them with a. We are a non. A, a yeah, yeah. With the with the you know. Anyway. Uh, How about a rubber okay. bullet to the okay. knee? <laughs> yeah. Um, the most useful. The Golden Goose from mm. Jack and the Beanstalk. Mm-hmm. Free money, baby. Yeah, just keep printing that money. <laughs> yeah. It keeps Smash up the newspaper next week. Inflation through the roof as Golden Goose destroys American economy. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody has all the eggs that they could ever want. Uh, Rich, what mythical creature would you uh, think would be most applicable to nowadays? God, I can barely talk. Mm, I... I... I don't know. I'm thinking. Hmm. I was thinking either like a phoenix. Yeah. Ooh, that's a good pick too. Or I, th- I had uh, a Pegasus. Okay. But I'm gonna go with phoenix because like they can, they they symbolize like rebirth, and that's like something mm. we need right now. So yeah, I'm gonna go with Phoenix. My genuine answer is a dragon, and we abolish the military. 
Don't be a military. Now we got a fucking dragon. <laughs> just what? You know, one dragon. We got one dragon. Control the skies. Why do we need like, North Korea decides they just had a fuck enough of us and they're going to launch a nuclear weapon. Eh, Dragon's got that taken care of. Dragon can swallow that, you know, no problem. Uh, you know, listen, air defense taken care of, offensive action taken care of. Nobody's fucking around with that dragon. And then we can use the money that we were putting towards the military to several other causes, uh, you know, whether you're using it for social programs, return to the taxpayers, what have you. But listen, we're not spending millions and billions and trillions of dollars a year on armed forces. We've got that dragon to take care of things. Done. <laughs> totally. Coast to coast. Done. Yeah. Beautiful. The U.S. Dragon Forces. Lovely. No Space Force, nice no nothing. Question. Just a dragon. Just a dragon. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's the U.S. military's yeah. motto. Just a dragon. You know, you know what? Let's, let's, let's keep Space Force because ever since the start of Space Force, we've actually made some progress in space. But... Like, let's, that was the other thing. Like that, so we went to space uh, last week on Saturday uh, when we were recording this. We we went to space on the last Saturday of May uh, with the help of the SpaceX. Uh, was it the was it was it a dragon? It was a dragon rocket, right? Um, dragon. It was it was uh, it was the Falcon Nine rocket, and it was the Dragon was. Crew. Okay, pod yeah. So so it was uh, Elon Musk's uh, love letter to space uh, went up in. I felt like I got like a whole like. 30 minutes of pride, I'm like, yeah, get a load of that. Look at that. And then, like, an hour later, it was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Everything else is fucking awful. Um, you get to fully appreciate that yeah. we're going back into space again, which is, which is, listen, I know it's not the most important thing. It's still kind of cool. In a vacuum. Yeah, in the vacuum of space, first, it's cool that we're going to space. <laughs> first, first Americans to be launched on off U.S. soil in nine years. And the current trajectory and goal is to have people on the moon mm, by 2023. Wow. And because of the success of that flight, commercial flights have been mm. approved for twice a year for private companies and the private person to go into the space center. So companies can do commercial testing for products that they're going to use on the eventual. And may I just say, I know this joke has been made a million times, but may I just say, excellent time by the astronauts to get the fuck off of this planet at the time that they decided to get off of this planet. Twenty twenty is fucking crazy. Let's go. <laughs> we yeah. used to tell them the fucking sun. <laughs> this is uh, this is Houston to uh, Dragon Force. You are welcome to come back. Actually, um, mm, we're gonna like stay here for. Uh, like a while, you guys cool with that? Like we, we figure we just, you know, no rush, you know, just, just chill here on the International Space Station for the next several decades. Um, what's the next question? John? <laughs> it's like, listen, we we've been through <laughs> the fire. Um, Sean, what do we got? Yep. So, penultimate question: subject, Omega level chicken wings. Maybe it's an X Men reference. Who knows? Question: Is there an upper limit to the world's best chicken wings? No. Next question: Can you only ever hope to? Can you only ever hope to make the best chicken wings so far? Is this quest the modern day holy grail submitted by oh. Charlie Brown? Charlie Brown. <laughs> I love it. I it may or may not be an X Men joke. <laughs> yes, I think I. I think there is always a chance that you can perfect something when it comes to food at least although you can make something perfect there's always a way to make it better and so 
maybe not now, but maybe in 20, 30 years, new ingredients or new ways of cooking may be invented or discovered that can make your ultimate wings even more ultimate. Well, then by that definition, it's not perfect. Yeah, there's also, it's, it's a level, there's a level of subjectivity to food. So like, the best chicken wings for Matt would be different than the best chicken wings for me. Because we have different, like, we we like Taste different flavors. Yeah. Yeah. Or even consistencies. Some people like slimy wings, which blows my mind. Some people like crunchy, dry as fuck wings, which also blows my mind. <laughs> Yeah, so I think, but I think there would, for each individual person, there is a li- there is a limit to how good you could make wings, where you could not physically enjoy them anymore. You know, it's like the uh, what those screens on the new iPhones that the resolution is better than your eye can perceive. It's like that. Like, there's going to yeah. be a point at which y- it tastes so good that your you can't like your body, your mind can't decode how good it tastes you're just going to hit a limit to the ability your ability to taste so at some point your brain takes a shit exactly there is a though there is a limit i think it is a subjective limit for each individual person but there is a limit. I, I agree with that perception that is based on okay. the individual um uh, saint anselm of canterbury once proposed that the existence of god can be uh can be proven that it is self-evident basically god is a being than which no greater can be conceived um that that even you know a foolish person or even a crazy person can can acknowledge the existence of god because god is just a being that than which no greater than can be conceived the greatest chicken wing of all time is a chicken wing that than which no greater can be conceived um it is simply a matter of our <laughs> perception as human beings you know are we able to conceive the greatness of it can we do this so the greatest chicken wing of all time exists somewhere out there, but it is limited by our puny, terrible human brains. And taste yes, buds. that too. Both of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think, yeah, it, it's it's out there. It's my white whale. Um, but, you know, <laughs> we'll have to see. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. What, what are you, are you what going are you to do? What are you going to do? Indeed. You're going to find Somehow, that best Some way, wing. we will find the greatest chicken wing of all time. You want to know something wild? This is only mildly related. So we've been on Saturdays. We'll get food from like local uh, restaurants. Um, and uh, we've been getting it. We've been getting food from Silver Diner. And we've been getting Alice uh chicken tenders and french fries and i have not been more tempted to break my vegetarianism than with those chicken tenders and i have no idea why i'm just i'm like i'm like i want i don't know why i'm like i'm like i'll i'll see a hamburger i'm like okay that's fine i'll see like a a really nice cooked steak i'm like all right you know that stinks that i can't eat it but whatever but like these chicken, these these fucking chicken tenders, and Mary said it to me too. She was like, she was like, they look so good, and I don't, I it's just I don't know why these children's chicken tenders are like the thing yeah. that's gonna break me. Dude, diner diner chicken tenders have always been so good in my opinion. They are. Like, I don't understand because like fake chicken 
is so close to real chicken, like chicken nuggets and stuff, because it's just like a texture. So I don't understand why they can't just put that breading and shit on fake chicken and give it to me. I would pay <laughs> billions of dollars. <laughs> Stimulate the economy with these okay. chicken tenders. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> exactly. That's unrelated, but I was just thinking, I, I can't get those chicken tenders out of my head. You, you remember the the golden goose? That's those mm. chicken te- tenders. Yeah, they're duck tenders. Uh, actually, what was our last question, Sean? Quag. <laughs> okay, our final question to end on a another uh, he- on another heavy All question. Right, here we go. God damn it, a cab. Uh, also, do you support the defunding slash abolishing the police? I can't go as far as abolishing the police, but I do support defunding and demilitarizing the police. Hmm. I I think there there have been like I've read articles that propose alternatives to the police that make sense to me. I don't think that short term that's really a possibility or I, I don't think that we can we can reasonably try to achieve that in the short term. Um in terms of all cops being bastards, this is very similar to a um this is very similar to like the black lives matter argument where it's like people are when like you say like black lives matter people are like all lives matter it's like well it's because you're misinterpreting what that means it doesn't mean like black lives matter doesn't mean that other lives don't it just means that black lives matter too and have been under like have not been we Mm -hmm. haven't been looking to them we have not been they have not mattered in the scheme of things. Yeah. So, like, that's what it means. It's basically saying Black Lives Matter too. It's not saying other lives don't. You're being stupid. All cops are bastards does not necessarily mean... I'm sure there are people who take it this way, but from my perspective, it does not mean that every single person who is a police officer is a bad person. What it means is they are, at absolute best, complicit in a broken system that, that really fucks with people in marginalized communities like it is that's that's what it means it means that every single police officer is at bare minimum complicit in a bad system not that they're bad people you know what i mean necessarily because i know police officers and as people they're fine but that doesn't mean they're not part of a bad system you know yeah so i think Yes, I definitely support defunding the police. I support, I think there we need to find new, I think there should be an emphasis on training de-escalation procedures for police as opposed to this weird, a lot of police are being trained in this weird military mindset where it's not let's work with the community, but it's us versus the community. And so, like, I, Mary, so... Mary, compiler of questions, and also my wife. Yeah. Secondarily, much less important. But so she teaches a class because a lot of the people that she serves, so she serves adults with disabilities, will get physically aggressive. And these are full-grown men and women who will, you know, will try to attack or assault uh, some of the people working at these group homes and they are trained to de-escalate the situation without resorting to violence. And 
it's ridiculous to me that you have Mary, my wife, who isn't like a giant. She's not super strong, who is uh, able to de-escalate these situations or even use holds that aren't going to hurt the people. Uh, and the police can't. You know what I mean? Like the police can't de-escalate the situations without resorting to violence. And yeah. uh, it's there is definitely a better way to do what we're doing. And that's all I have to say on it. There's a lot of thunder going on right now. Yeah, there's a lot of lightning I've been seeing out the window. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I, I agree with your, with your sentiment on ACAB where not, like you said, not all not all cops are bastards, but you, you're complacent in the system that's there right now, and if you haven't been doing anything to fix that or change that, then you're, you're no better. Um, when it comes to uh, defunding or abolishing the police defund and demilitarize absolutely i don't like the idea of getting rid of the police force and abolishing it completely because i'm not fond of the idea of potential private security firms becoming a police state or private military corporations becoming the police of the country i just there's too much that could potentially go wrong with that uh and too much difference in training with for the people that for each different firm that it's just, I don't think it would be the best move. Train, train who we have to, to do this work rather than get new corporations involved. And then they train them however they want because they're private companies and they can do what they want. So this has been a tough one for me. Uh, honestly, I haven't been on social media enough to even encounter a cab honestly until today. Uh, and that introduction was someone saying, uh, today was the first day they realized a cab didn't mean assigned cop at birth. And I was <laughs> like, very, that oh. was a very funny tweet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you, Molly, by the way. Uh, but I was just like, oh, that's funny. But my next thought wasn't, what does a cab actually mean? I just laughed and kept going. Um, so I, I, so this is one of those topics that I kind of find hard to um, not believe in, but solidly land on a position. And a lot of people find that as a cop-out, but I highly disagree because this is this is too much of a gray topic. I can see the perspective, as Sean mentioned, of it not being um, that all cops are bastards. Because, yes, there can be good people... Uh, good people on the force and good officers on the force, but they are part of an inherently bad system or broken system. I, I understand that perspective. I don't necessarily agree with it. I think it's too reductionist. Maybe that's not the right word. But so you can be part of a system without being complicit. So... No, I see what uh, you're saying. Like uh, you're oversimplifying it a little bit. If you, you're just saying, like, you know, if you say all cops are bastards, then you're terrible. Like, like, but it's it's also not the same as reducing it to well. There's only a few bad apples. Yes, I dis. I I think there's a lot of things wrong with our criminal justice system and mm-hmm. police forces nationwide. 
Um, not not just in places like Minnesota or in below the Bible Belt or or anything like that. I th- I think large scale there is a problem. Completely agree. But completely. The no, no bad apples thing. Nobody remembers the the, the other part of that thing. So, you know, but the ba- a couple of bad apples do spoil the bunch. Like that, that, people keep using that 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 phrase as if it's like, well, you can't just rule out the police because of a few bad apples. But but yeah, then they like also, if you but then we can also look at the protests and it's like, well, only a few bad apples may be part of the large scale destruction and blah blah blah. But you're painting the whole protest with that. So well, why are we cha- why are we changing the scale? But that's a different argument. So I, I guess my take on all cops are bastards are what is your what is your solution? Because there can be good cops who stand up against other bad cops, but you also have to you. Whereas it is a public service for public enforcement, largely <laughs> debatable, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm not letting you still, get wild out here. It, <laughs> <laughs> Sean, I believe in you, Sean. recording in the middle of I've gotten like five severe weather warnings since uh, in the last like 20 minutes Sean's been locked out of, outside of his house since Sunday he has been like six days Sean how you hanging in there man Sky Chopper 5 out there on the weather forecast go to rain I had to close all the windows <laughs> you sounded like you sounded like you teleported. You're like you sounded like I guess what I did when uh, whatever the, the fuck happened to my mic. Uh, but you're just like, oh, it's wild out there, man. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> oh my god! Sorry. But, but, uh, but back, no worries. But back to the topic of yeah. it, it. It's kind. I agree. We shouldn't have a police state. We shouldn't privatize. Uh, Officers, kind of like Richie said, because that's just asking for, for fucking bad news. But at the same time, it's still a company. Me as a personal officer, as a sergeant or whatever, I can't tell that captain over there that, well, fuck you, you're doing this wrong. I, you don't have the power. You don't have, you can speak out, that's fine. And people do, and that does nothing. So, like, you, you act. To me, it comes across as an assumption that the good cops are doing nothing. It's like, what do you want them to do? Speak out. Cool. They've done that. What do you want them to do now? Well, fire that officer. Uh, They can't do that. Well, prevent him from doing that. How do you want him to prevent him from doing that? So I I think that's, and that's just, I guess, my personal perspective. And I also Mm -hmm. can't say that the officers of Downingtown, just because that's where we've grown up and it's... As as far as I'm aware, which I may not know everything, we haven't had anything even close to something along the lines of this kind of topic. So you're going to tell me, and yeah, some of our downing time cops are absolute douchebags, but so but they haven't done anything that I'm aware of. Hardly wrong that the other officers are complicit in a horrible thing, and thus they are all bastards. So I guess. That's my perspective on this particular topic and the comparison of the response to all lives matter in response to black lives matter. I, I think those are different. I completely agree that all lives matter as a response to black lives matter is reductionist and ignorant because mm-hmm. black lives matter isn't saying that all lives don't matter. It's saying that you don't give a fuck about black lives and it, we're just trying to bring us up to the standard of everybody else's life. 
And the fact yeah, that you're saying, but all lives matter means that you're ignoring everything about the other point. So that's yeah, horribly the, reductionist, dismissive, and blatantly ignorant. Yeah. And I think this is a different argument with similar words that we're trying to equate. And I disagree with that equation. Am I saying that we shouldn't demilitarize police officers or come up with a new solution? No, I think that's fantastic. But labeling absolutely every officer in across the nation as a bastard, I, I get it, but I, I personally think that's a step too far. But I can also not say completely, fuck you guys, this is wrong. I get it. And that's why I'm like, I don't have a solid footing because it's too gray from my perspective. Well, I, I think that this is something that we're, we're just going to disagree on. But I think, and that's, and that's fine, because at the end of the day, I think the thing that we're working towards is the same. Like, we're both saying, regardless of, regardless of the ACAB point, we're both saying that the system needs to change and is disproportionately affecting people of color, especially black people. You know what I mean? So it's like, if if you're both working towards that, the, the you know, I don't know, is syllogism the right word? Like the, the slogans do, don't really matter if you're trying to get to the same point, you know? Yeah. I, yeah, I think, I think ultimately ACAB, why, like, listen, if you take any of these slogans on its face value and you assume that that is the, the entirety of the argument, then yeah, the sl- slogans don't stand up to scrutiny as an argument because they're they're slogans. You can't possibly encompass an entire argument. Like ACAB does not encompass, you know, the the the, the centuries of, of racism and the, and the decades of police brutality towards towards minorities. You know, it's impossible to sum up all of that argument into a, a catchy slogan. Um, and that's the point. If you're making something like a cab, you're, you're trying to create something that's easy to share. That's easy to, that's easy to, to, to say that's easy to, to, to chant, whatever it is. Um, you know, but, but to say like the, for the black lives matter thing to like the, to your point, Tim, when you say, oh, well, black lives matter, well, you're saying that all lives don't matter, blah, blah, blah. It's sort of like reading, it's sort of like judging an article by the headline without reading the article. Like you're not seeing what's underneath the, that statement. Like you're judging it by the baseline, the the thing that's supposed to catch your eye. The point of Black Lives Matter, the point of ACAB, the point of whatever whatever slogan you might have, is to catch your attention and to then you know get you to to encourage you to look at some other ideas, to look at the ideas behind the Black Lives Matter movement, behind the ACAB movement, behind yeah, to point out the other the the both sides of it, it, the Blue Lives Matter movement. Like it's it's a, supposed to be a slogan. The slogan is not the whole argument; it's just the headline. Mm-hmm. yeah no i get it and and if anything the fact that this conversation even exists and i can express this topic i understand that this is legitimately my white privilege giving me this that i can stand here and say that because mm-hmm. i have i fully admit i've never been directly affected by this this is my privileged perspective i admit that i and that I don't think that's wrong that I can admit that. I also don't think I am necessarily wrong because I refuse to not refuse. I haven't landed solidly anywhere yet. And you're right. It, it, it does come down to it's a catchy headline. Uh, it's a catchy catchphrase. I, it, it is legitimately a catchphrase 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I guess it's just this specific topic and the fact that it, it, rather than it being as supportive as like the lift up of all of black lives matter. Um, and whereas the other ones have been a reductionist response to black lives matter, this one comes across as an aggressive, not saying not rightfully so, Mm-hmm. an aggressive it, this one's more of an attack rather than an uplift which i understand i'm not going to say i understand i get where it's coming from to mm-hmm. a degree mm-hmm. i disagree with it and that's just where i'm at i get the point and i i like sean mm-hmm. said we are still working to the same thing we are just dis- disagreeing on this point but moving mm-hmm. forward towards the same goal and yeah. i agree that that's ultimately what matters yeah, I think ultimately, like, listen, we've tackled a lot of real heavy uh, topics tonight. Uh, we still have a third show to do, which we'll talk <laughs> a, a lot of a, a lot more of these questions. We're not going to solve it all in the course of a couple hours. And, uh, you know, it, it's a problem that's it's we still haven't solved after centuries. And it's also it's also again, and we bring this up all the time, like. We are four white dudes talking on. On a we on sure a situation are. on a yeah, but on a situation that doesn't really directly impact us, not in our personal lives. Yeah, yeah. So so I think you know I think Tim saying like I understand that this is coming from a place that like I understand why you would say that. I don't really agree with it, but like I can't talk on it. That's I think that's the most important way we we all all four of us specifically can approach these issues because we can't know what it's like. We can only make our best, our best assumptions Mm -hmm. and uh, we just have to be supportive basically. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Well said, be listening, be listening. Um, That was our last question. Correct, Sean? That was our last question. All right. Uh, No take again this week. Uh, We had an episode of Brian's Bodega. Those are all the hot takes that you could possibly (laughs) need for this week's episode. Uh, Rich, if they want to see any of your hot takes, where can they find you on Twitter? At B underscore Walnuts. How about you, Tim? At Tim R. Hansen. Uh, how about you, Sean? At Hey, it's SOB. And I'm available on Twitter at MKASNEL. That's M-K-A-S-Z-N-E-L. The podcast is available at Brose underscore podcast and on Facebook at Brose Podcast. Please hit us up with feedback. Um, on, on all of our shows, uh, especially uh, the last couple episodes. And if you have a question you'd like us to answer on the air, email it to brosequestions at gmail.com. That's brosequestions at gmail.com. Huge thanks to Mary O'Brien, as always, for compiling our questions, to Shannon Vogel for designing our world-famous logo. You can find her work at Shannon Vogel Photography on Facebook and on Etsy.com. And our theme music is When, when by Stephen Seabird. You can find his uh, music and his work on the free music archive. Rich, talk to us about PodQuest. Check out PodQuest. It's a nerdy roundtable. We record weekly and talk about the news and stuff. Uh, this week on the 17th will be the first DLC for Pokemon Sword and Shield. It comes out on the day that we would normally be recording. So we may have a little bit to talk about that, but who knows? I co-host the Keystone Coast to Coast Sports Podcast with my buddy Eddie Provident. It's a sports show that typically focuses on Pennsylvania sports, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, and so on. Uh, There are no sports going on right now. Our most recent episode that we have recorded uh, was a discussion about uh, potential sports coming back in the next couple of weeks. And we also went through each 
Major League Baseball team, and each National Basketball Association team and discuss our favorite player of all time from each team. Ends up being a lot of fun. Highly recommend that you listen. Uh, that's it, guys. Say goodbye to the listeners, everybody. Bye. Bye. For Tim Hansen, Rich Sweet, and Sean O'Brien and the entire Action Moves team. My name is Matt Kaz. I'm reminding you, as always, to be smart about being stupid. Love y'all. Peace. Uh-huh.